réussir votre go-to-market sur le marché allemand est notre objectif. Depuis plus de 10 ans, l'équipe Wings accompagne les entrepreneurs et leurs équipes dans leurs projets de go-to-market sur le marché allemand. Nous croyons fermement que l'apprentissage auprès de ceux qui ont déjà fait le chemin est essentiel pour réussir. C'est pourquoi, dans ce podcast, nous donnons la parole aux personnes en charge de ces projets. Des CEO, des country managers ou encore des personnes qui font partie de l'équipe de lancement. Ils partageront avec nous leur histoire et nous livreront leurs précieux conseils et astuces pour lancer une entreprise ou un projet en Allemagne. Je suis Andrea Vaugan, la fondatrice de Wings.co. Nous aidons des entreprises françaises à lancer ou à améliorer leur activité sur le marché allemand et vice-versa. Alors préparez-vous à découvrir les secrets de la réussite sur le marché allemand. C'est parti pour l'épisode d'aujourd'hui. Hello, Torben, and welcome to Go to Germany Stories. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So I was uh, really happy when you accepted to be on our podcast because, uh, first of all, we know each other for uh, some time now. And also, Conto, of course, is um, one of uh, the success stories, I would say, from French companies, French startups, scale-ups uh, in the German market. And this is why I was happy to, to hear your story. But uh, before we go into detail, um, could you briefly introduce yourself, your role at Conto, and also what Conto does for those who may not know you yet? Happy to do so. And like I said, happy to be here. Uh, I'm Torben. I'm the Global Partnerships Director for Conto. Um, I'm originally from Germany, uh, from Hamburg. I'm based in Berlin, uh, and I work for Conto, which originally is from Paris. Uh, we're a European company. Uh, before being a global partnerships director, I was the country manager, country director for Conto. So I led the expansion of Conto from the French market also to the German market. And we launched our office in June 2021. What is Conto? Conto is a digital financial solution for European SMEs and solopreneurs. Um, we have around 350,000 uh, customers. We're active in four European markets, in France, Germany, Italy, and Spain. And with Conto, companies can do their day-to-day -day business banking, but also topics such as preparatory accounting, invoice management, accounts payables management, basically anything that you as a small business need to organize your finances. Okay, great. Uh, thank you for this uh, this presentation. And um, before we uh, go a little bit further in the development of Conto, I would like to ask you, as we're here in a French-German you know, business podcast, um, what is the first word that comes to your mind when you think of Franco-German business relations and why? Close, I would say. So uh, Franco-German business relationships are the most important relationships that we as both economies have. We're both the largest economies in Europe, and we need to work together uh, to be successful in the European market. And also, if we think in global terms against competition in the US, and Conto, for example, is one example uh, of how the French and the German uh, business can work together, uh, not just because we joined forces uh, with Penta, a German company last year, but also because we have many people working in the German market for topics that are not necessarily for the German market, but also for Conto as a whole. 
Yes, I had the pleasure to visit your um, offices a couple of months ago, and I can uh, I can confirm uh, how many people are working there. So it was great to see that. And of course, we have to tell those stories much more often to inspire other companies also to launch their um, international expansion, especially between France and Germany. So happy now to dive into the story of Conto in Germany. So um, you said that you launched uh, German operations in 2020, 2021. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, when did, so why did you decide at that point to launch a Conto in the German market? What was a little bit the context in terms of size of the company, funding, roadmap, and a little bit the thought process behind this launch? So why Germany? Was it before Italy, Spain, after Italy, Spain? Just to give us a small idea on how this decision process was organized. Absolutely. So first of all, Conto always had the ambition when Conto started in 2016, 2017, to be a European champion. So we always had this idea in mind that we want to expand to other European countries. And the idea was that the requirements, the needs of the customers in all European markets are roughly the same. Obviously, there's differences in the customer needs. But in general, if you do a transfer as a company, it's the same whether it's in France or in Germany. So we knew that from the start. Uh, one example is, for example, that from the very beginning, we had a French website, but also an English version of it from the very beginning on. But in 2020, more like in 2019, we started the preparation to launch in the international markets. And we had this idea to launch several markets at the same time. So we had Germany, Italy, and Spain, which were pretty much launched in the in a matter of a few months only. And you're exactly right. Conto first launched in Germany around three years ago and after the first product launch in France. And in early 2020, uh, we officially launched in Germany with a small team. Back then, we operated in from Paris with a small team. We opened our office in Berlin only in mid-2021 and then grew our German team to around 30 people in 2022. Uh, we joined forces, like I said, with Penta in July 2022 and integrated 200 Pentonians into the Conto team. And today, around 180 people, Contours, work for the uh, German market. So our, like I said, our strategic ambition from the very beginning was to build a European champion from day one. And our idea is always, if you want to be strong in Europe, You also have to be strong in Germany just because it's the strongest market, the biggest market in the in the European Union. Uh, and it's also a key indicator. If you're successful in Germany, uh, you would probably also be successful in other European markets. And at, at what stage, um, let's say, was, let's say, the French operations? I mean, was there a certain stage where you said, okay, now we're good, we're ready, we can now uh, launch international operations. Was there a certain point or a certain milestone that you had hit that uh, basically led you to, to starting international expansion? It's a good question. I think one point that comes to mind is our migration within Conto from a core banking system that we had with a third party to our own core banking system. So we needed to build a solid foundation for ourselves in order to be able to scale to other European markets. That was certainly one of the requirements that we needed to have in order to have a good product, reliable, as well as uh, sound unit economics in that sense, to be able to go to the other markets. So I would say that's definitely something that we wanted to do first. 
but then very soon we we worked in an iterative uh, approach within the markets launching fast learning from it and going from there okay so once once the decision was made that you would uh, go to the german market um and we will concentrate on on the german market if there's you know um let's say parallels to italy and spain then it could be interesting but what were the first steps you said it was a small team but how did you attack the market did you go through a classic you know we do market analysis and then we do all of our licenses and then let's go or was it more opportunistic how how did you run this project your go to market in germany There's certainly analyses that we did uh, from the very beginning, and there's certain filtering that we did as well. So we looked at, for example, only within the markets where we could passport our license. So some of the compliance considerations definitely came first in order to arrive at a shortlist of markets that we wanted to launch. In the sense of the sheer market size of the number of SMEs as SMBs that you have, Germany obviously sticks out. Um, there were also considerations about the digital readiness uh, of the companies within the market. But then very soon you would land uh, at, uh, at Germany. So for us, it was clear to launch the German market. We then started in Germany with an MVP, a minimum viable product, and adapted our product as we went along. So from the very beginning, kind of we thought about our goal was to raise awareness, build trust, and reach customers in Germany also learning from the other markets that we've launched at the same time. And we set ourselves a high bar uh, for professional localization of our content and on our customer service from the very beginning. So if you think about the very early days of the launch, it was very much about the, the basics itself. So the compliance setup needed to be sound. Uh, we needed to have a localized website, localized content on our blog and our product. Uh, and also thinking about kind of what is what are the touch points of a German customer and making sure that this is German. And did you see from the very beginning, so you were one of the very first persons working on those topics, um, what were kind of like the differences? Was it easy for you to explain the differences of the German market also to the French team to adapt certain topics, um, let's say, the website, the copywriting, uh, the way you uh, explain the product to customers, for example. Um, how was a little bit the process here? And um, and also maybe even before answering, you could say, because, you know, people are so important in this story. How did Conto find you or how did you find Conto um, to, to have, you know, the first persons are just so important and it worked out really well with you for Conto and for Conto with you. So how did you find um, to each other? So I had fintech experience before. Uh, I worked for a fintech with Rocket Internet uh, for some time. And then uh, I, had a, I had a few years in consulting where I focused on the uh, consulting of traditional banks and insurances with their digital topics. So from a background, uh, I was already in that space. From a contact perspective, I think the connection to the French culture was already there because I did my master's in, in Paris for two years uh, and that's why I was connected. I felt also connected to the to the French market. Uh, so that's certainly how uh, I think I was discovered <laughs> back in the day. Uh, and the first conversations I remember with our CEO and co-founder Alex Pro were very positive. I was very convinced about the mission to help SMEs, to energize them uh, and to kind of get rid of all the 
finance management, the time spent on bureaucracy, on paying invoices, on looking at the uh, chasing the receipts. So that was very much in line what I had in mind. So that's, I think, how I got discovered back in the day. In terms of the team at the beginning, uh, so I think part of your question is also directed at, so with what setup did we did we start? So we had a very lean team in Paris at the beginning. So we had one content manager, one marketing manager, then a few people in customer service, customer success, as well as our experts in compliance. So there was, and then, you know, a few months later, one sales manager would start as well. So we did all of this based in Paris and um, these first employees were usually with a Franco-German background. So they would be half German, half French. They would understand both sides of the coin. And that's how we also managed to bridge the gap, let's say, and to understand the cultural differences. There's certainly a lot of explaining that I had to do and that the team had to do in terms of how we adapted things. And only after some time, it took some time and the, um, the joining forces with Penta definitely helped with that as well, is to realize actually you can't always just adjust or adapt, for example, an existing blog post. You need to really think deep about how a German customer thinks. And how important do you think was the, um, for you the possibility also to have this um, bicultural background also from you and also from the team in, you know, bridging the cultural gap also, uh, was it very helpful? Was it really necessary? Um, because we have heard a lot uh, that it is really positive to have those kind of profiles in this kind of project because it's just easier to... to To, to bridge the gap. Was it the case also for you? So I have to admit, I think I'm the first podcast on this series, which is not done in French. So I'm very, very sorry about that. I'm still working on my French, actually. Uh, but I do uh, get both, both sides of the coin, let's say. And I think that's important to understand, not just in terms of management discussions, but also certainly in the way you understand the German customers. Um, again, our hypothesis when we went into the market was, the basic needs of the German and French customers are the same, but you need to look out. So 90% of what you do is the same, but then the last 10%, the localization is really key to unlock certain customer segments. And in order to achieve that, you need probably in those profiles as well to really think about, well, this is the correct translation, for example, but it's not how a German would think about it, how a German would say it, Uh, and in order to be able to do that, you need those profiles. Mm. So you need really people that understand the German culture, the way Germans think, the way Germans, uh, you know, make a decision, uh, think uh, about money and also about how to manage their finances. So, of course, there's uh, there's differences. Is there maybe, uh, we're going to have the question again a little bit later on, but is there maybe like the one big difference that you see between uh, when you talk about the localization, what you really put in the very top of your, uh, you know, um, communication um, setup that was really special to Germany that was very different from France? It's a good question. So there's a few points uh, that we had to, that we wanted to highlight uh, in, in the German market. One of the first things, so we started, for example, with a French IBAN uh, in, in Germany and we realized very quickly, okay, that was not the way to go. Uh, because German customers do need a German IBAN. IBAN discrimination actually on paper shouldn't exist, but it still still exists. 
So that's one of the first things that customers would look for. German customers also, you know, the famous scrolling down the page, uh, looking at the legal terms, looking at who's behind it, what is the license, especially when it comes to money, plays an important role. So I would say it's all about trust. So when you, maybe we will go more into detail later on, but uh, the one key difference is that there's even more of an emphasis on trust and how Germans can trust you. So you need to build those bridges to trust in the German market, maybe through partnerships, maybe through some signaling with some integrations. So that was one of our focus at the beginning. And actually our first local hires in the German market were also an events and ecosystem manager, as well as a partnership manager. That just shows you how much emphasis we put on localizing and being present in the German market, connecting with the local ecosystem, and also making sure that we understand the customer on the ground. Yeah, that this was one of the, the 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 special questions I wanted to discuss with you was how because of course the the topic of trust comes back each time we talk about uh, you know convincing German customers and entering the German market, and I think that you have a and I know that you have a very strong partnership approach uh, because now you're head of partnerships also. So, um, what were um, what are the different partnerships? So like the different. Um, categories, I would say, of partners, because you have several of them. Um, why do you think it's so important and, and how did you develop them? I mean, how do people then in Germany say, yeah, sure, a Conto Fintech from France, let's do a partnership. I mean, this is not maybe something that comes natural to everybody, but how did you do that? And what do you think did it change for you in the German market for Conto? The thing about partnerships is that you probably cannot pin it to just one partnership. So it's the combination of different partnerships that make the difference over time. Uh, so there's different objectives and different partnership types that we went for. At the very beginning, we focused on activating the local ecosystem and building the relationships in the new market, being present there, having more feedback loops and so on. So and the focus was very much on that. Then very quickly, we realized that our German customers need bookkeeping integrations. So in order to fully use the business bank account, They need certain integrations with some German uh, bookkeeping solutions. Uh, and that was our main focus at the beginning to make our product more usable and more useful to the, to the German customers. Since then, we've evolved and we're looking at more strategic partnerships as well, where we can look together for value with the customers. Our focus is always on creating a win situation on the three sides. So, Conto, the partner, and of course, the customer at the end of the day. So what is the benefit from the customer? What is the benefit from the partner? And what is the benefit for Conto? So considering that in Germany, for example, we have deep uh, partnerships, for example, with Signal Iduna, an insurance company, where we're able to also serve the traditional, uh, maybe not online uh, customers more and uh, more effectively. And um, so that's that's interesting. So basically integrating your product in the local tech ecosystem so that it's seamless, that it's smooth, and that you also can benefit from the trust that they already have, right? Those partners that are already in the market maybe for a long time and also new partners that come to the market and that you can yeah. also partner up with, uh, like you did uh, also recently. How do you think that especially this tech integration um, helps you with the The, the trust issue. I mean, I, I understand the, the, the big picture, but um, maybe if we can just 
detail it a little bit more because it's a lot of effort, I guess. You need technical integration. You need to work with the partners. You need to figure everything out. So it's a big investment, right? But in the end, um, if you would compare it, uh, because many companies also ask themselves the question, okay, do we do only do direct sales? Do we do only do partnerships? So how in, in which relation can you set this to what you, what the other marketing or um, demand gen or lead gen activities that you do? Um, how big is the part of the partnerships for you? There's a direct attribution, let's say, and then there's the indirect attribution. So when you think about partnership as a channel, there's always a part of partnerships that you cannot directly attribute to partnerships because you're present in the market, you're increasing your awareness, uh, but you might not be able to attribute it directly to partnerships. So actually, when you talk to startups or scale-ups uh, all over the world, uh, some of them are optimizing actually for the influenced uh, revenue that is generated from partnerships as well. So that is also the case. We at Quanto think about it differently. So we first think about the customer uh, and think about, okay, what is the value add for the customer? And only then think about, okay, so what is the benefit then for Quanto uh, in that sense? So um, that's, that's how we think about it. Mm -hmm. I would say, depending on the type of partnership, so if it's awareness focused, if it's on acquiring new customers, if it's more on the uh, revenue side of things, um, there's, there's certainly different types that we're trying out uh, that, we've, that are going well for us. Uh, but it, there is no one size fits all um, uh, solution, I would say, for partnerships. I was just at a partnership meetup uh, yesterday and there's not so many of them, actually. So anyone listening interested in partnerships, uh, there are a few uh, meetups and there are a few communities ar around there. They seem to be there for every function, but for partnerships, it's a bit scarce. But I see that this is an evolving field where more and more companies want to invest. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Okay, thank you for giving me the idea. Maybe we can <laughs> launch a small community, European community of partnerships. Um, always a good idea. Um, then you, so you talked about the technical integration, uh, with, um, existing tools already. So to make it easier and smoother for your customer, strategic partnerships, like what you have with Signal Iduna, but what I also see, um, that you do very much is, uh, ecosystem partnerships. So trying to really be a part of the ecosystem. And I think this is really, uh, I would like to. Uh, I would like you to tell us a little bit more about this uh, so because it's quite an investment also. So you do events, you invite other ecosystem partners, you have great speakers, which actually is the, I guess the goal is then to, to be a, a really known in the German ecosystem. But how did you go about this? Why did you think in the beginning it was so important? Because I guess you might also have to negotiate internally to make this happen, to have you know the budget for this. And also, um, then how did you convince others to come to partner up with a French startup? Because uh, you still are or you were. So why was this so important for you? And what do you think was really the benefit of uh, really investing into the ecosystem for you? It's a very important question. Because if you're first in the German market or any new market for that matter, you're always thinking about how can I efficiently allocate my time, how I can allocate any budget that the other market, the headquarters is giving me. And maybe an event is maybe not at the beginning the most efficient uh, way you might think. But in, from our experience, it's, it's worth it for two main reasons. One is exactly like you said, being present there 
being known enhances the trust of a community that is attending the event. And that then kind of spreads further in the word of mouth. It's difficult to put a number to that, to be honest. So you, you never fully know if it's going to pay off, but you, you just hope. But the second one is definitely very tangible in terms of product feedback, feedback loops that you get, the discussions that you have with people at the event. So I think only from that, it's, a, it's already worth it. We evolved over time. So we hosted our own events. We hosted them together as well. We always wanted to bridge the trust. And that's what I mentioned at the beginning by co-hosting events together with known brands in the German market. And I think that worked well for us in terms of enhancing the trust of the event, but also of Conto in general. So it makes you very visible. Even if only 30 people, which is already a good event, attend an event, uh, you posting about it, you sharing stories about it, writing a blog post about it is already something that multiplies. So you could also think about it in terms of generating content, which then enhances the trust and uh, is visible to a lot of people. And the learning part of it for us was very crucial. Obviously, we talk to customers every day, but we also wanted to hear from the community, maybe from people who are not customers yet, what they actually need and why they're preferring other solutions as well. So that evolved over time, I would say. So then we partnered with the German Startup Association, for example, with Bitcom uh, in order to be connected to different groups of people as well. So maybe in the German Startup Association to understand a little bit more on the startup side of things. Um, we have a lot of customers of ours who are incorporating um, their company and need a business bank account for that. And we support them in the German market and also our other European markets. So it's an important segment for us, obviously super key for us to be close to it. And with Bitcom, um, we're closer to the traditional uh, companies more or to the traditional companies that want to look, that are looking for digital solutions as well. So both of both sides of the coin worked well for us. And I also want to mention, obviously, the French tag, the ecosystem side of things where you can connect also the French and German side of things. Looking at the strength of being a European player usually plays out really well because there's quite a few companies that are operating in different markets that have the same question as you. So you get more learnings from it. You get similar um, questions. So that has worked really well for us. And uh, for us, for example, we also met at one of those events. So that's uh, what is actually quite positive. And did you ever, um, that's very, very, very interesting. Thank you. But did, did you ever have the possibility, uh, have the, the challenge that, um, you know, people were, because, you know, accepting each other, like French companies uh, in the German market, German companies in the French market, is not yet, you know, normal for everyone. So did you at some point have some challenges that people said, yeah, hmm, yeah, French company, not so known yet in the German market. Hmm, shall we really do something with them? Um, did you have that? Or did you finally always find open doors and people said, yeah, sure, let's do something together? Or how did you, was it being a, being a German also for you? Was it helpful um, to, to connect easierly to the market? I think it was helpful that I was German, uh, but it was not the decisive factor. So I would say at the beginning, when you're at the very beginning in a new market, the bargaining power, if you talk to partners, if you talk to event organizers and so on, 
is not usually on your side. So you need to play your strengths through something else. You need to bridge it again. You need to think about, okay, so yes, but we've done this event already with such and such. Uh, in our home market, we have so many customers. This is our high customer satisfaction, uh, our net promoter score, and so on. So you need to convince a little bit more at the beginning, and over time it gets better. That's uh, That was my experience. So definitely at the beginning, it's more uphill, but then it uh, it the slope goes goes down a little bit more, okay. and uh, the challenge is to to do more with less at the beginning, and then it gets easier over time. So creativity and resilience are very important uh, factors for any uh, one who is launching his company on another market. Um, maybe just to uh, talk a little bit about. So we talked a lot about partnerships and how this helps you drive. Uh, trust and awareness and also, of course, um, attracting new prospects and customers. Um, but can you talk a little bit about the other, um, let's say, um, lead generation mechanisms that work very much or very well for you? Um, maybe just one or two tips that you would give to anyone who is launching a fintech now in Germany. What are the channels that are not to be missed? It very much depends on the, your product and your industry and that you're operating on. So I would say I, there's no silver bullet and don't expect the one channel to work really well. We tried this in the past to say, what if we try this? Well, at the end of the day, you really need to uh, work on a whole lot of different things and on localizing. And over time, you will see the results pay off. I would say the problems um, that customers are facing in Germany versus France, for example, are usually, again, depending on your product, the same. So the way uh, potential customers search for the solutions might also be in the same. So um, that's the hypothesis that you need to test. In our case, it was true. So uh, in terms of messaging, you might need to adapt slightly. So you need to put a focus on enhancing your trust in whatever way possible. What we did in the German market is we looked for quality seals for Siegel uh, very soon. So we looked at the TÜV certification which cost us uh, money, but, uh, you know, it was valuable to have that sign of certification of trust on the German website, or we won relatively quickly after we launched in the German market, the German FinTech award. We put that on a website as well. We just wanted to uh, showcase, hey, we're relevant in the German market and we're trustworthy. And obviously we focus on the local features as well. Like I said, 90% are the same, uh, the same needs. But the last 10%, you should put a focus on what, it, what is it that German customers need. I think one special thing in Germany is maybe the importance of affiliate marketing. So that's maybe one thing that's uh, here in the German market is that comparison websites play a larger role than in some other European markets. So you need to be aware of, okay, how are you placed on certain websites? How does your product compare? That's uh, one key aspect, I would say. In general, though, it's very similar and uh, there's no silver bullet. Uh, you need to look for optimizing and localizing your whole presence and how you contact, how a potential customer can reach you. So, so yeah. Based, based on the French blueprint, basically try to do the same in the beginning and then start, you know, adapting um, and adjusting the different the different channels. Did you, um, from a very practical point of view, did you do all of this in-house? Did you work with agencies maybe in the beginning or did you do everything in-house uh, between the French and the German teams? 
we did, I would say, almost everything in the house. So um, Conto's approach to this is that when it comes to sales and marketing, uh, we do almost everything in the house, uh, whereas some other companies might work with a marketing agency. We do work with a PR agency uh, from the very beginning uh, because PR for us was was also important. Again, depends on the on the industry that you're in. But we knew fintech customers trust us with their money, so the aspect of trust is even more so relevant uh, in the fintech market. So we need to make sure that we tell our story and that we uh, that it's portrayed accurately. That's what we put a focus on. Did you start PR from the very beginning or was there a certain point when you said, okay, now we're ready to also talk to the press? We started from the very beginning. So we had a beta launch, but then from the official launch onwards, we had PR coverage and thereby a PR presence in Germany. Mm. And then over time, we told this story, uh, we want to be a European company. Uh, we want to uh, invest in the German market. And we want to help German SMEs uh, do better finance management. And that's the story that we're still telling today. Mm. And um, because you said we want to be a European company, meaning we also have European teams and teams that work a lot with each other and talk a lot to each other. Uh, can you give us maybe some, some tips after some time, because you now have some experience already, what works very well in making the two teams work together that are separated, uh, you know, geographically? Um, do you have some rituals that you have regularly? Do you see each other very often? Um, how do you make the teams work together despite the cultural differences? Maybe that would be, would be interesting to know. Like you said, we've been building a European brand from day one and our contours come from, I think by now over 70 nationalities. So it's not that there's, you know, just French people in the Paris office and just German people in the Berlin office. It's all mixed and 50% of contours are non-French. So we have a lot of international talent working for us. And um, this is also key to understand cultural differences or at least have the Uh, less of a bias when you think about certain things, because obviously you don't actively activate these biases that you have or blind spots. They're just there and you might not be aware of them. So that's one aspect of it. Having an international workforce helps. But on top of that, you really need to strengthen it with regular exchanges, with knowledge sharing between the teams, with continuous learning over time. So learning from your mistakes and looking into it. Why did something go wrong? How can we do it better in the next time? And the cross-functional collaboration of things. So at Conto, we work in a matrix structure, meaning that we have the country organization, but the German marketing manager would strongly work together with the central marketing team as well. So you always have this interaction and the learnings from the different markets and also from the central team. And I think that's key to ensure cohesion uh, so people feel connected to Conto as a whole and to bring everyone together. But um, I understand, and this is, uh, of course, a big challenge. Um, does all of this happen naturally in Conto, or do you help also from the C-level team? Do you say, okay, we need maybe some uh, some coaching or some training, or is there any any um, anything that you can share that others can be inspired from 
that it's not coming maybe 100% natural, but you have to help a little bit because, and also maybe um, give us a, a little idea of how many people are working like in the German um, office and also in the Paris office and the size of the teams. Yeah. When it comes to our leadership team and our co-founders, they met actually in 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 school but then you know had a few years where they worked in different markets so our ceo for example also spent a significant uh, time in berlin uh, working for for a german company and uh, so they both had the international exposure from the very beginning they knew uh, that this is what they wanted they wanted a european company and that trickled down throughout the organization i think Over time, adding more talent from different markets, also in leadership positions, was definitely helpful uh, to think about it that way. So we have also new uh, leadership team members that are coming from different backgrounds, uh, from different uh, countries, and that just gives us a different perspective of things. Uh, in terms of how um, the countries uh, operate and how the different international markets can mix, where well, we always had events or, or um, you know, events where everyone came together. Uh, we always made sure that people would talk to each other. And I think that was that was super key. So at the moment at Quanto, we have over 1,100 employees and 180 of them work for the German market. Yeah. Uh, and we even have more people in the Berlin office that work cross-functionally. So you might work for Our head of product operations, for example, is based in Berlin. He's from the UK, but he came to Berlin because he liked Berlin uh, and he works, his boss is the chief product officer and he works from the German market, from the Berlin office. So that really helps to get the different ideas, to get the different perspectives, not just within the Berlin office, but also in all of the other uh, offices together. How many offices in total do you have in Europe? We have five offices. Mm. So we have an office in each of our markets, Paris, Berlin, Milan, and Barcelona. And we also have a office in Belgrade in Serbia, which is not, uh, we're not active in the Serbian market, but uh, we have a lot of great team members also there. Okay, so that's sure at a great party coming together as Europeans um, at the Quanto yearly convention, maybe. I can imagine that it must be a lot of fun. Um, so thank you for all of those um, all of those um, insights. Um, I wanted to ask you what's 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 next now for Conto? So of course you have a lot of markets to serve, to get a little bit it's deeper, to deploy, to grow. But how do you see like the next uh, 24 months for Conto? What are your big projects? What can we expect to see happening in the Conto world? We still have some way to go and our focus today is on accelerating our existing markets. So France, Germany, Spain and Italy. If you think about it that way, there's 25 million SMEs in Europe and only those four markets make up 15 million of them. And in that case, we still have a lot of SMEs that we want to serve and we focus on accelerating our growth there. Our goal, nevertheless, is to be the finance solution of choice for 1 million SMEs across Europe with 75% of the customers coming from outside of France. So we really want to focus on that international growth and to make sure that our footprint is truly European and already is, but we really want, you know, this strong footprint in all of our markets. And Germany 
is also our most important growth market, I would say. So if you just look at the number of SMEs, there's roughly 4 million of them. So the potential is huge in the German market. And we see a lot of openness in the German market as well for new solutions that work well. Um, now, when we go a little bit back to the French-German relations that we cherish, um, I have a couple of questions that I want to ask you that give, uh, you know, your view on the differences maybe a little bit between France and Germany. And we talked a little bit also about the the, the trust. Um, is there anything that you could add to what you said earlier on about the differences, the main differences that you see or that you have seen at Conto between the French and the German customer? In our case, there's a general There, maybe there's differences that are more general and then apply to different industries. And there's the financial services or fintech specific differences. In terms of general differences between the French and German customers, once again, it's all relative. They, you, you know, a lot of it, there's a lot of similarities as well. But the German customers expect customer support to be really reactive and to have someone on the phone and the focus on trust. So that's a general theme that you see across industries. You want to make sure that, hey, whenever I have a problem, I can contact someone. And um, that's really key in the German market. When it comes to fintech-specific things, th again, the needs are similar. And uh, the customer support um, is also, interestingly, um, in, the banking, in the business banking sector, something that uh, historically has worked relatively well for the German market with local branches that are present in every town. It's very fragmented. You can go to your local Sparkasse. So it's very prevalent. But this has decreased over time, especially since COVID. So branches are closing down. So the difference between the French market, where maybe you have less of a fra fragmented business banking market, and the German market, where you have a lot of different branches and where the traditional banks were historically closer to the customer, is leveling. Uh, because the branches are closing down. So it all comes down to the digital presence and how connected you can be. And we tackle this uh, at Conto, obviously, as a 100% online digital solution uh, by offering customer support 24-7, email, chat, telephone, but also VIP support, which was um, something that we emphasized in the German market. So if you really value it that much, if you want one person for your contact, then you can do that. So that, that was absolutely key in Germany uh, in the increasingly digital customer interaction that uh, German customers also expect. What do you think you need to know Uh, specifically before entering the German market, uh, so I don't want I don't ask you to to re repeat because it's the you know the trust thing is all, all, always very very important. But what would be like the three tips if someone comes to you and says, okay, Torben, we need to launch a German market in 2024. Can you tell me the three first things I need to do? What I really should not forget? What is really like mandatory? If not, it's going to fail. At the risk of repeating myself, I will frame it a bit differently. So. I will mention trust, but in a different way. Don't overpromise. Uh, don't overpromise, but uh, underpromise maybe and overdeliver. So that's what German customers typically value more. So they don't want a communication that is very focused on marketing, and then at the end of the day, it turns out that it doesn't work the way it is. So rather scale back on the communication, uh, and then actually deliver what you can deliver. Uh, I think that's one important point in the German market. The second one is ecosystem. So important to be connected. 
but watch out for the decentralized nature of things. So obviously it's, it's not news, but the German market is more decentralized. You have not one big hub, uh, one city that stands out, but the, when it comes especially to the B2B market, it's everywhere in Germany. And you need to think about, okay, how can I do that? Do I want to be present in several cities? Do I want to do it out of one city? That's one thing that you need to ask yourself. And then the last one is really about the presence. So that also means that you should be on the ground for these two reasons that I just mentioned. Uh, to be close to the customer, to gain the trust, to be able to access the ecosystem. I think that's uh, super important in the German market. And did you do this uh, mainly uh, through events at Conto or were there any other uh, you know, ideas that you had to be closer to the customer? We did it through events, both physically and virtually. So obviously it was also during uh, COVID mm. and we had to do some events. We had to organize webinars online, but um, then the event season started again and uh, you actually were there. So joining conferences, being there at a booth, uh, going, maybe having a talk uh, was, was actually something that worked out really well for us. And being present in Western Germany and the Southwest as well in Bavaria uh, was important for us as well. We didn't have, we only have one office in Berlin. And I know that some other companies uh, very early on then have this decentralized approach of having several locations in Germany. It can make sense, but we're not a super sales focused company. So we don't have a big sales force. We do have a sales team, but we're very much focused on Word of mouth, uh, we're focused on product-led growth, uh, and that historically has worked well when we increase the awareness. Mm. And what was the thing that you would say was the most difficult for Conto in Germany? So when it comes to launching in Germany, I would say overcoming that initial trust gap mm. was tough at the beginning. So we needed to think about how can we bridge the trust? Uh, how can we use the signals? How can we increase our brand awareness? Uh, again, thinking about it smartly, it's not like we put a huge marketing budget on the German market on the get-go. It was very much about learning and uh, trying to make sense of what can work over time. And uh, one thing that you also need to watch out for when you launch a different market, and it can be Germany or it can be another market, is to have the buy-in from the top management. Is this the market that we want to focus on? This is what it takes. Uh, are you ready to commit? And this is something that we did, but because we launched in the different markets at the same time, it was always a question on how do we allocate product resources, for example, to localizing, localizing the features. So what I always recommend there is to have an honest discussion about the milestones. So if we reach this milestone, then we can get that support. And if we reach that milestone, we get feature XYZ. So that historically historically has worked. But speaking about all the difficulties, I think the good news is that German customers are open to new solutions if they feel like it works and it has been tried and tested. And at least in our case, we didn't need to create a market and explain it. So the market need was already there. There were also competitors are already there. But uh, rather, we needed to convince the customers that our solution fits their needs the best. And that was our focus around it. So German companies are open to new solutions when you can show them that you add value. And did you have any uh, questions ever about, you, you talked about the 
IBAN um, discrimination that I didn't know existed, but uh, I'm not a fintech expert. But did you ha did you have any other uh, experiences where people thought maybe hmm, I don't know, so uh, it's a French company? Is my money really secure? Um, did you have that in the beginning? And um, how did you? I mean, localizing, of course, but um, was this a big problem or? Did you just manage in, you know, putting in the different uh, communications and trust uh, uh, seals and, you know, adapting everything to the German market that basically then people said, okay, it's French, but it looks really German in the same time. So it's fine. Both, mm. to be honest. So you have customers that uh, don't really care uh, where you're from as long as it works. But you also have customers that go into the very last details. Okay, what kind of license do you have? Uh, where is the money actually stored? Is it safe? And uh, obviously for, for Conto, uh, we operate with a payment institution license, which we passport to all our markets. Um, we're under the joint supervision in Germany by the BaFin and the French regulators, French authorities. So we knew that we had the same standards as the existing local incumbents. Um, but explaining that sometimes is difficult. So obviously there's a bit of skepticism at the beginning uh, and you need to you need to bridge that and you need to make sure to say, well, this is uh, the same standard. Um, you're actually, your money is safe. So like I said, when it comes to money, uh, the trust element is very crucial. And it might be different for other products. So if you have a B2B SaaS solution that doesn't work in the fintech space, maybe it's different. But for us, it was uh, it was very much about that. That's why we put a lot of focus on it. So both in the communication, in our being close to the customer through customer success helped a lot, um, making sure that we onboard the clients correctly with the key account management team is key, as well as providing just these answers very quickly to not, uh, not have any doubts about it. That mm. was really cool. Yeah, no doubts. Yeah, that's true. And then um, finally, so for you as a German, um, uh, having lived in France for some time, you said you did your master's, the beginning of Conto also. What is maybe the thing that you miss most about France when you're in Berlin and every time you come to Paris or to France, you say, okay, finally, I can find it again. Is there something? <laughs> there's a lot of things. Um, there's also a lot of things that I miss about the German market, actually. So uh, I've lived in different countries over, over, over some time. I also lived in India, for example. And when it comes to Germany, for example, I miss, for example, German bread, of course. <laughs> But I also miss... Uh, The German, uh, it's it's a good German word. It's uh, Verbindlichkeit, uh, which I'm not sure what the English translation is, actually. It's reliability, it's commitment at the same time, and you can count on someone's word. I'm not saying that that doesn't hold true in France or other markets, but it's like, at least in Germany, I have the feeling it has a very high value. Uh, that's why it comes back to the trust element a little bit. So you need to trust each other. You don't overpromise. You deliver on your word. So I, I, I value that a lot. And sometimes when you're in a different market, you only realize what you really enjoyed about the market that you're living in, right? When it comes to France, uh, the things that I miss the most is, or whenever I come back, it's the um, just the lifestyle in, in Paris, for example, in France, of eating outside, of uh, living there. It's also the nice uh, kind of 
interactions that you have with people. I really enjoy how people interact with each other, uh, how they how they deal in their day to day with each other, and the day to day, let's say, play um, that you have between each other when you talk to each other. So there's a different kind of music to it when you communicate with each other, whereas in Germany it's very direct. Uh, so you have less of that tone underneath. Uh, so that is also fun to play with, I have to say. And in both countries, it's it's really about kind of the um, open-mindedness that I see in uh, in the French tech scene as well, about what is what can we try, can we try new things, and that I see in Berlin as well. So there's also a lot of similarities, I would say. Okay, that's nice. So that's nice to hear. And um, when you uh, when you entered uh, with Conto the German market, was there something that was like the most surprising even for you as a German opening uh, a new uh, adventure in the German market? Something where you said, "Okay, I didn't I didn't realize that that it was this important," or this was something that was really surprising for me. So even as a German, I have to say that the level of digitalization especially in the back office processes of traditional companies is still very much behind. And that was surprising to me uh, because in Germany, when you think about it, there's a lot of even the Mittelstand companies, they are high tech companies. They deliver world-class technology uh, and products. Uh, so the level of automation, for example, in German factories is one of the highest in the world. So you would think, okay, so they also bring that to their back office uh, But it's not the case. And that was surprising to me uh, when you have high-tech products that you produce and then you go into the back office and you work with physical paper. That doesn't, there's definitely a cognitive dissonance uh, in my view. It's like an ICE running on train tracks from the 80s, which actually in Germany is also the case and may be powered by coal energy. So it doesn't match. But the good news is that the problem is identified and more and more companies see it as well. I think a driving factor here is also the availability of talent. So due to demographics, you cannot have more people working on inefficient processes. So also in the back office, you see more and more this uh, tendency towards digitalization to do more with less. So that's definitely a development that I see. But it was surprising to me at the beginning. Okay, but it's good news that it's going into the right direction. But there's still some, let's say, space uh, space to fill. And um, maybe always last questions. Do you have a cross-cultural anecdote for us that happened at Conto for you and that you think about uh, sometimes and you have to laugh? I think in terms of uh, debating culture and decision-making, there's definitely a difference between the German uh, business culture and the French uh, business culture. Obviously, it depends on the company that you work for. I would think that in Germany, there's more of a focus on democratic uh, debate culture where you try to reach a consensus together, whereas in French, in France, it's a bit more top-down. I would say. And that's definitely what I discovered, what I've come used to. I think at Conto, we're, we're really good also due to the fact that we have more than 70 nationalities uh, at Conto and 50% are non-French, right? Uh, so that has changed over time. But the decision-making um, speed, uh, as well as the, the paths that it takes, was surprising to me at the beginning. Uh, and uh, I would say... We as a company have more Germanized 
So uh, in that sense, or, or more internationalized. So that's definitely a good development because ultimately the best idea wins. Yes, that's a very good closing statement, I would say. The best idea wins. Uh, uh, nevertheless, if it comes from Germany, France, Italy, Spain, right? So we need just the best ideas and then to make them happen. Um, thank you so much, Torben, for being with me and telling me about uh, the story of um, the go to Germany story of Konto. Um, so we talked about partnerships, about culture, about trust, of course, um, always very important in the German market. And um, I wish you very much um, uh, joy and success for the years and the months to come. And I'm sure we're going to cross paths uh, very often in the ecosystem. Um, looking forward to it in Berlin and in Paris. And thank you very much for being with me. Thank you very much for allowing me to speak. And have a nice weekend and a bientôt. A bientôt. Je suis heureuse que tu aies écouté cet épisode jusqu'à la fin et j'espère que tu as appris quelque chose de nouveau pour ton projet en Allemagne. Si tu as des questions ou des commentaires, n'hésite pas à me contacter par email sur andrea.vogan.co ou sur LinkedIn. N'hésite pas également à nous donner 5 étoiles sur Apple Podcast. Vielen Dank. Rendez-vous la prochaine fois pour un nouvel épisode de Good Germany Stories, le podcast de l'entreprise en expansion.